The Metropolitan Opera Guild is the premier arts education organization dedicated to enriching the lives of children and adults through the magic and artistry of opera. To learn more about the Guild's many exciting programs and events, please visit metguild.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Metropolitan Opera Guild podcast. I'm your host, Naomi Baratera, and the goal of our podcast is to share knowledge and insights into the operatic art form, drawing our content from a variety of different educational programs that the Guild runs here at Lincoln Center in New York City. Opera really is an international art form. We have operatic works written in many different languages, and opera singers come from all corners of the globe. With so many different languages and nationalities involved, it can be difficult to wrap our tongues around all the different composer names, opera names, and singer names we encounter in this fantastic art form. On today's episode, we are going to dip our toes into the wonderful world of languages with soprano Jane Marsh. Jane is a regular lecturer here at the Met Opera Guild and is a language enthusiast fluent in English, German, Italian, French, and Russian. She will be guiding us through the pronunciation of composer names, opera names, and singer names that we have on the roster at the Met this season, focusing on the three most common operatic languages, Italian, German, and French. So without any further delay, I turn things over to Jane Marsh. For those of you listeners who would be interested to pronounce the 2016-17 Met Opera season with some proficiency, Here are a few simple rules and examples to follow. I'm going to begin with German opera, as German opera opens this season. And I'm going to give simple, rather constant Germanisms that enter the picture strongly in all of our German operas, beginning with this first example, Tristan und Isolde. For those of you interested, German is a language built on consonants, so they are very important in this language. In Tristan und Isolde, we have our composer whose name is Richard Wagner. Richard is pronounced as if hissing like a cat, with a T replacing the D at the end of Richard. And W in German is pronounced like a V. This is German phonology. So the word looks like Wagner, but instead is pronounced Wagner with a V sound. Now, a few names that might be difficult and pose problems for the listening audience would be Yekaterina Gubanova. We have an artist from Russia and therefore reasons that only the Russians know, the E equals a Y-E, as in Ye Katarina Gubanova, and she's singing the role of Brandena, the mezzo role. We move on to another Russian singer, Yevgeny Nikitin, who is singing Kurvanal. He's also very much from the heart of Russia. And so in order to pronounce his Russian name, we need a donkey bridge. And I have several that I've accrued in the course of languages that I've learned. And in this particular case with his name, we take the N 
I and put a tilde or a wavy line over it, and we have a similarity to the words nya nya nya, or if you will in this case, ni ni ni, which equals in Spanish, just to deviate slightly, the word niño, which means boy. It's a way of finding this, um, this Yevgeny Nikitin. Ni is difficult because we haven't it in our language. The bass in our production, Rene Pape, who is singing König Marke or King Mark, if you will, has a wonderful accented E at the end of his first name. And this helps guide us through his first name. So we automatically say Rene because the accent is on the last syllable. His Last name is Pape, actually with the accent on the first syllable, but with a different kind of an E at the end. It's an open E, like get. So the whole effect is René Pape. Now moving on to our director, we have a Polish name that looks more complicated than it actually is. Mariusz Trelinski. The S-Z in the first name of this director is pronounced as though it were an S-H. And I say to this, the Polish language has a talent for grouping consonants and confusing the entire world. Then we have our conductor, who in this case has the most refreshing name simply because it's very easy for English-speaking people to read it and know that they can say what they're reading. Simon Rattle, a fabulous conductor. Now, before we move on to pronouncing more of the German operas and composers in the season, we are going to listen to a short clip of a very profound moment in Tristan und Isolde, so you can begin to get a little bit of the flavor of the German language. Thank <laughs> you. 
All right, moving forward, we have a few more German operas in the season, so let's continue with opera names, composer names, and singer names that might cause us to stumble. And our first opera is Der Fliegende Holländer. Der Fliegende Holländer, with a relaxed last syllable so it doesn't sound too stilted. And we know our composer is Richard Wagner. And I'm going to pull out a couple of names of the cast members that may pose some questioning. Our first name is our Hollander, Michael Folle. It looks like Michael, but it's pronounced in German, Michael, with that hissing sound. And the V of Folle becomes an F. So we have Michael Folle. We move on to a name that is going to be very interesting, I think, to you all, Amber Wagner. Now you say, but we say Richard Wagner. Well, this is an American, and she pronounces her name very American. W pronounced like W instead of W pronounced like something else, as she is an American artist. So Wagner is pronounced W-Wagner instead of V-Wagner. Now, the most complicated name in this lineup is our conductor and new music director at the Metropolitan Opera, Yannick Nézé Séguin. We move on to our next German composer, and we begin with Salome. It actually is pronounced Salome, and it's by Richard Strauss. The pronunciation from French by author Oscar Wilde, who originally wrote the piece in French, remains hanging in the air slightly. We voice the E at the end of Salome. Instead of saying Salome, we say Salome. So the accent doesn't appear, but the general tilt of the word is there, and then again, not. The accent is actually on the first syllable, Zalome, the S becoming a Z, Zalo, and then we have a little bit of an intimation of me, because in German, we would basically say Zalom. So Oscar Wilde gets his due in this particular piece. Our con composer is Richard Strauss. Now, here we have a German composer, and Strauss is pronounced with an S-C-H, or if you will, an S-H, instead of an S-T in the last name. And this is important because an S-T, most of the time in German, takes on a SH sound instead of a ST sound. Moving on to our title character, Zalome, to be sung by an American artist, we have a name that can be pronounced two different ways. If she's in America, she might pronounce her name Catherine Nagelstadt. But if she's in Europe, she may take the pronunciation of Katharina Nagelstadt, because the name is European. Now moving to our Herod, we have Gerhardt, replacing the D at the end of his first name with a T, and Siegel is spelled with an S, but pronounced as though it were Z-I-E-G-E-L. 
An interesting artist, I think, in this particular ensemble is Jelko Lucic. We know him to be part, very strongly part, of the Italian wing, particularly the Verdi wing. And this particular case, he will be singing Verdi this season, but in this opera, he's singing the fabulous baritone role of Johannahan. So it's interesting to see him dipping into the German repertoire as well as the Italian. But we end our cast with the general music director of the Canadian Opera in Toronto, Johannes Debus. And here we have a man who is German through and through. We move on to Der Rosenkavalier, Der Rosenkavalier, an S between two vowels, is a Z. And here again, I'm going to focus on a couple of names of our cast members that might create questions. The first being our Octavian, Elina Garancha. This is an artist we know who has sung through the repertoire of all kinds at the Met, and in this particular case, her long-awaited Octavian is going to bless us. Then we have our Baron Ox, sung by Günther Groisberg. Not an easy name to pronounce. The Germans don't have any trouble with it, but they're the only ones. It incorporates two of the German umlauted vowels. You have a U with two dots above it, and you have an O with two dots above it. This is not something we find in English, and so again, we need donkey bridges in order to be able to find our way. The U with two dots can be found by EW, like you're being disgusted by something. EW, that is the vowel U. And if you want to find an O with umlauts, or with N umlaut, you take our ER, er, and then purse your lips. Er, and you get Goethe or Grote or Groisberg, Berg, Er. It sounds very peculiar, but it's the only way through these donkey bridges that we can find our way as people outside the language, inside the language. And of course, the H in Günther is silent. So TH and T are pronounced as though each were just a T. That's the German rule. And our conductor here is a German through and through, so it isn't very difficult to understand the German phonology of his name. This is Sebastian Weigel. If you don't know that W-E-I is pronounced as though it were W-A-I, then this little bit has helped you. I want to continue our German language section with the wonderful opera Fidelio and one or two cast names that would need a little insight into pronunciation. Our opera is Fidelio, a Latin name, so all vowels, no deceptions, are pronounced by our composer Ludwig van Beethoven. Van is Dutch and pronounced as V-A-N, but von, V-O-N, is German and pronounced F-O-N. We haven't really dealt with this, but it means that the king or the queen of the particular country, in this case Holland 
or Germany has knighted the individual. So someplace in Beethoven's past, his family was knighted. Uh, the difference is that V-A-N is pronounced with a V-A-N and V-O-N is pronounced with a F-O-N, just for interest's sake. Now, our Leonora is a Canadian singer, and I know she pronounces her last name very Polish, Pieczonka, but she may pronounce her first name Adriane or Adrian, as we say in English. Our Marcelina, the lighter-voiced soprano of the opera, is Hanne Elisabeth Müller. And H in Elisabeth is silent in German. We already know that from Günther. And then we move on to our next composer. And the next composer that I want to talk about wrote operas in both German and Italian. So he is going to bridge our discussion of both German and Italian languages. This composer is Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. And this is important because Mozart's name is pronounced based on German phonology. And the phonology is similar in Italian, in which, in this case, a Z is pronounced like a TS, as is exemplified by the word pizza. And so we don't say Mozart, we say Mozart. Wolfgang, pronouncing the W like an English V, is Wolfgang, middle name Amadeus, and then we have Mozart. There are two Italian operas by Mozart that are in the Met season, Don Giovanni and Idomeneo. Let's start with Don Giovanni. When I was first learning about opera, I thought this name was pronounced Don Giovanni, and why wouldn't you think that if you didn't speak Italian? But in fact, the G-I-O is pronounced like it were J-O-E, Gio. And then the Vanni has two double N's, or has one double N actually, but two N's that are doubled. So you have a name that is Gio Vanni, you hang on the N, Vanni. And the whole package is Don Giovanni. And you hang on those N's so long that nobody can miss the fact that, they are more, that there's more than one. Now, our Donna Elvira in the cast is going to be singing Elvira as well as Donanna. And she is a Swedish soprano, Malin Böström. I always like it. The Swedish sopranos are so fabulous because they sing their names. Böström. Instead of Böström, it's Böström. And then we move on to our Donanna, who's only going to sing Donanna, and that's Ibla Gersmava. And then we have our Don Giovanni, a, a, a bass that we know and love here at the Metropolitan Opera, Ildar Abdrazakov. Now, sharing the role of Don Giovanni with Ildar Abdrazakov is a very fine Polish singer, Mariusz Kwiecin. And we've already discussed the first name of Mariusz, so Kwiecin is the way his last name is pronounced. And the role of Leporello is also to be shared between two singers, Erwin Schrott 
where the W becomes a V, Erwin, instead of Er Erwin, Erwin Schrott, the very fine singer who speaks Spanish as a mother tongue, but looking at his name, one clearly can see that Spanish is not all of his heritage. His name is very German. And then we have Adam Placetka, who is the other Leporello, and Stefan Kokan is the Commendatore. Kokan is spelled K-O-C-A-N and pronounced as though it were K-O-K-A-N. Our conductor is also being shared by two. Fabio Luisi, where the S between two I's is pronounced as though it were a Z, and Placido Domingo, where the C becomes an S in Placido. Our second Mozart opera is very dear to me, among others, as I have sung the role of Aletra, a wonderful character in a wonderful work. The opera is, of course, Idomeneo, and the title of this opera is taken from the Greek king. But let us look at our soprano, who has a name that rings but is not usual to our American ears, Elsa van den Hefe, a little bit the rulage of van Beethoven. This artist is from South Africa, and this language is much like Dutch, so one is reminded that V in V-A-N, van, remains V, not like German, where it turns into an F. Now, moving to Matthew Polenzani, who is singing the role of Idomeneo, the Z is like a T-S, phonology of Italian and German. So it's Matthew Polenzani, pronounced very softly. We have spent some time with the two Italian operas in the season by Mozart, so let's listen to an excerpt from Don Giovanni so that we get a greater sense of the flavor of the Italian language, but also the Italian language within the Mozartian style. Our singer is Erwin Schrott. We talked about him before, singing Leporello's catalog aria. Delle belle che amo il padron mio, sul catalogo è lì che ho fatto io. Osservate, leggete con me, osservate, leggete con me. In Italia 640, in Almania 231, Il 
mille tre, mille tre, ma fra queste contadine, cameriere cittadine, ma con te se baronesse, marchesone, principese, e la donne d'ogni grado, d'ogni forma, d'ogni età, ogni forma. Continuing now with the Italian language, let's turn our attention to operas in the season by Italian composers, and we begin with Giacomo Puccini, with one of his most beloved works, La Boheme. This language, contrary to German, is based on vowels, so vowels take priority over consonants in Italian. This is very important. Let's turn our attention to the cast. Our Mimi is Christine Opolais, and our Musetta is Eileen Perez. Our Rodolfo, with lots of rolled R at the beginning, typically of Italian rules, is Piotr Becciawa. And though this singer's name looks like Bexala, it's pronounced Becciawa. Our Marcello is David Bizic, and our production and set designer and director is Franco Zeffirelli, double F and double L. Consonants are also important in Italian rules of pronunciation. But I'm sure that Zeffirelli has had to be very patient with the world because most people aren't used to being able to double two sets of consonants in one word. Moving on, we have another Italian, Marco Armeliato, and he is sharing the conductorship with Carlo Rizzi, whose name is spelled with two Z's, and we've already learned that two Z's looks like pizza. So it's Rizzi. Our second Puccini opera is Manon Lesco, and though we are still in the midst of Italian rules, we have an Italian opera based on a French story. So the title keeps the French pronunciation. One does not speak as one writes in French, and that is also important. Nasal vowels are very important. So having said that, Manon uses the French nasal vowel on. The T is not pronounced in Lesco, nor is the AU pronounced as AU, but is pronounced as though it were an O alone. Giacomo Puccini is, of course, our composer, and he's the same composer, as we know, who composed La Boheme. Now, our Manon is Anna Netrebka, and I am pronouncing her name typically Russian, though we tend commonly to hear the American pronunciation, which is Anna Netrebko. A little insight into the proper pronunciation of the vowels in the Russian language tells us that an unaccented O in Russian takes the sound of an A. So her last name is Netrebka. And I thought that would be interesting for all of you people who admire her so much. You can admire her name as well. The last singer we're going to talk about in this cast of Manolesco is Marcelo Alvarez. And you may wonder why I say Marcello when we've just talked about Marcello in Puccini's La Boheme. Well, it's because Marcello Alvarez is a Spanish-speaking singer, and Marcello is the way his name is pronounced, though it is the same name, basically, as Marcello in Italian. 
To wrap up our discussion of Puccini, we're going to listen to a clip from La Boheme, sung by Christine Opolais, Si mi chiamano mimi. And I've chosen this clip because I want you to get a feeling of the fluidity of the Italian language as it is sung. Our next composer, who like Mozart wrote operas in two languages, Italian and French, would be Gioacchino Rossini. And the opera in this case is Guillaume Tell. Double L is pronounced as though it were a Y, Guillaume. And Tell is pronounced Tell in every language. It might interest you to know that Guillaume Tell has a translation known as Guglielmo Tell which has actually become more famous than that being sung at the Met this year, but it is a real coup to be able to hear the opera in French because one doesn't hear it that often in French. Our soprano has a very Italian-sounding name, Marianna Pizzolato, double N and double Z, which are Italian consonant rules here. They make a conscious stop to emphasize the double consonants. So again, it sounds like Marianna Pizzolato, and we know that Pizzolato is spelled almost as though it were Pizzolato, but just to give us an idea of how to pronounce the name. Marco Spotti sings Walter Furst, and you may wonder why I'm pronouncing that in German. Well, it's because the characters all have German names because this is a piece that takes place in the German part of Switzerland. So we have Marco Spotti singing Walter Furst. 
We have John Relier singing Gessler. And now we have our director, Pierre Audi. The E of Pierre is dropped, typical French rule, and Audi, or if you will, Audi, is the way it's pronounced. Our designer, I think, is important to mention here, George Tsipin, because his name is spelled T-S-Y-P-I-N, but it's pronounced in English Tsipin. And now we move on to the next Rossini piece, L'Italiana in Algeri. And this is interesting because L'Italiana is not so difficult to get our heads around, but Algeri is perhaps difficult. Algeri is the Jeri part of the Algeri. It's pronounced as though it were spelled J-E-R-I, like Jerry, like Jerry in English, or Jerry with a flipped R, which is necessary between two vowels in Italian. And it, of course, is by Gioacchino Rossini, and this time you need to know that the Gio of Gioacchino is spelled again in English as though it were J-O-E-I-K-I-N-O. Gioacchino. Now, you use a different cluster of consonants in Italian, but it basically comes out to the same pronunciation. Our Isabella is Elizabeth Deschamps. And our producer and set designer director is Jean-Pierre Ponel, with whom I worked often in Europe, one of the most fabulously talented people on earth. He no longer is with us, but his name is Jean-Pierre, which has the, a, the E at the end of the word dropped, and Ponel also has the E at the end dropped. In other words, Pierre, Ponel, both of the E's are silent, and that's a typical rule of French. We now move on to Il Barbiere di Sevilla. And here we have a difficult pronunciation for foreigners, probably the most difficult pronunciation. In order to get the lia from Sevilla, you need to run the tongue along the hard palate, roof of the mouth, and front teeth to get a lia. And it's very difficult for those of us who are born in America to learn how to say that. A Rosina is a singer whose name can be pronounced a couple of ways. Many people in America would say pretty yende or yende, but in fact, French rules would allow it to be pronounced pretty yent, which means the final D of the last name is pronounced like a T and the E is dropped, which is a typical French rule. Then we have a Mexican singer singing Count Almaviva, Javier Camerena, whose name is spelled J-A-V-I-E-R, but in fact is pronounced with an H, Javier Camerena. Then we have a Swedish Figaro, Peter Mattei, and an Italian conductor, Maurizio Benini. The last bel canto opera is I Puritani by Vincenzo Bellini, double L. And the only new name in the cast here is Diana Damrau. This artist, I'm sure most of you know, is German, but she has sung through all of the languages and through all of the operas, basically, for her voice. But all of the vowels of her name 
are pronounced because it is a German name, Diana Damrau. Remember I said R-A-U, or if you will, A-U in French becomes O, so if he were, she were in France, she would say Diana Damrau, but it in fact is a German name. Now that we've covered all of the Puccini operas and all of the bel canto composers, we move on to our last Italian composer whom I particularly adore, Giuseppe, double consonant, Verdi, and we begin with Aida. Our Aida is Ludmilla Monastirska, and our Radames, with lots of rolled R at the beginning of an Italian word, is Georges de Leon, which is a very French-sounding name, but the name that sounds incredibly Italian and isn't is our Amneris, Violetta Urmana, and she sounds like she's from the heart of Italy when in fact she comes from Lithuania. Our baritone Amanazro is George Ganidze, again a Russian with that nye 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 in the voice, and our rumpus, our bass, is Dmitri Balaselske, and I purposely am not saying Balaselski because there is a Russian muted vowel that has to do with the way it's spelled in Russian that makes it ske and not ski. So it's Dmitri Balaselske. And our conductor is Daniele Rustioni. We move on to Giuseppe Verdi's Nabucco, where we have double C's in Nabucco, where we stop and think of having four in a row instead of just two, so we can finally make it clear. And again, we have Ludmila Monastirska, who is appearing in both Aida and in the title role, and Abigaile. Uh, she might as well be the title role in Nabucco because she has so much to sing and because she's so pivotal to the story. But then we have our actual Nabucco is going to be sung by Jael Kolucic, and we talked about him before in Zalome, but he's back in his Verdi territory with this, and sharing the title role with him is Placido Domingo, who has hung up his conducting baton for this opera and is going to sing the title character. And a very fine producer is our director, as it were, Elijah Moshinsky. Now we move on to Rigoletto, and we have two new names, basically. Olga Peretyatka, who is going to be singing Gilda, and Pier Giorgio Morandi, who is the conductor. Giorgio, of course, is an Italian rule, or G-I, which is pronounced as though it were J-O-E, Giorgio, Gior. And his last name is rather easy to pronounce, Morandi, and we find that the R between the two vowels, the O and the A, is not rolled, but flipped, which is an Italian rule. The last Verdi opera is La Traviata, The Fallen One. Violetta is being sung by Sonia Ioncheva, and Michael Fabiano is going to be the Alfredo. I draw your attention to the fact that Michael is spelled the same way that Michael Folle, our Hollander, is spelled, but Michael is an American, though he has a, a, an Italian last name, and Michael Folle is a German. And our conductor is Nicola Luisotti. 
To wrap up our discussion of Italian operas, we're going to listen to Matthew Polenzani singing Libiamo, the famous drinking song from Verdi's La Traviata. Libiamo, libiamo, nel lieti calici che la bellezza infiora, e la fuggevole, fuggevole ora s'innebria voluta. Libiamo le dolci fremiti che suscita l'amore, poiché quell'occhio al cuore onnipotente va. Now that we have covered both German and Italian, we move on to the last language of the day, French. There are three important aspects as a foreigner in knowing how to pronounce French. The first is that sung French is quite different than spoken French, so that can cause confusion. For instance, the word Paris is not a guttural R when sung, it's Paris, a flipped R, just as an example. The second is that we have nasal vowels, and I'll get to those in just a minute, but the third is very important. We are reminded that one does not write as one speaks in French, which is not the case in German and not the case in Italian. So going back to the various vowels that take place in French, we have several nasal vowels. En, en, un, and en. I'm sure that the French listeners can do that better than I can, but my point is A, O, E, and U are nasalized. And the first French opera of the season utilizes the nasal A, which is E nasalized. So, l'amour de loin, which means love from afar, we have an OU that is pronounced like double O. L'amour is pronounced as though it were spelled L apostrophe A M double O R. And loin takes the nasal E vowel. So if you had an E without nasalizing it, it would sound different. Now, our composer is quite an interesting person, I think, because she basically is Finnish, and she moved to Paris and wrote her opera in French. Her name, however, is Kea Sareho, which is very Finnish. And our director is Robert Lepage. The T in his first name is dropped, and the E in his second name is also dropped, both very typically French rule. Now, our conductor is Susanna Malki, but I actually think it's better if it's pronounced Susanna Malki. So the first syllable in her first and her last name are accented. Moving on to our second French opera, Romeo et Juliette, 
by Charles Gounod, we note that the jus of Juliette is found basically by that funny donkey bridge I talked about before, the U, which is sort of when you say, I don't like that. It's one way to find a vowel in our American way of pronouncing thing that comes close enough to the French. And the liette of Juliette has an E normally written at the end of it, which we dropped, and it's a definite French rule. So the E is dropped at the end of Juliette, and the U is found by saying, U makes me uncomfortable. Our composer is Charles Gounod, with the D at the end of his last name dropped, so we don't say Gounod, we say Gounod. And Charles, if you were going to transliterate it, is spelled S-H-A-R-L, when we know, in fact, it's spelled like our Americanized Charles. Our Romeo in this production is Vittorio, with a double T, it's an Italian name here, Grigolo. And so we put the accent on the second to the last vowel in this Italian name, and it's something I haven't really talked about. There is no definite rule, but a rule of thumb generally says that in Italian, the second to the last vowel is accented. Now, we have strange exceptions like the word radio, which we can identify with because radio is a word we know. If we were going by the rule of thumb, it would be radio, and it's not. So that's an exception to the rule. So there are times when we have to just simply memorize what isn't a rule. But generally, the rule of thumb is that the second to the last vowel in Italian, even though we're in our French section right now, we have an Italian singer, is accented. Now, names that have not yet come up. Michael. In this case, Michael is spelled M-I-K. H-A-I-L, Petrenka. He is our frère Laurent. And Bart Lecher, of course, we know, an American, who is, has a very interesting name, I think. And, of course, the first syllable of his first name is accented Bartlett, and his last name is Cher, as though you were talking about the singer, C-H-E-R, but in this case, he spells it S-H-E-R. Now, a very interesting conductor is on the horizon here, Gian Andrea Nozeda. He is conducting the premiere of Romeo and Juliet, but in fact, he is, as we know, an Italian conductor. And his last name uses the rule of an S between two vowels pronounced like a Z, Nozeda. Now, moving on to Carmen, I know you all think that it's Carmen, but in fact it is Carmen, and I'm going to illustrate that with a clip in just a few minutes. Uh, we have, uh, the composer, of course, is Georges Bizet, and our Carmen is Sophia Koch. To our eyes, it looks like Sophie Koch, but she is French, and so therefore she pronounces her name in a French fashion. Again, we have Marcelo Alvarez, and I've already explained the whole reasoning behind the pronunciation of this Spanish singer's name. He's singing Don José, 
who has the accent at the end of José, and so we know that we accent that particular vowel. And our conductor is a Frenchman, Louis Langray. And we can see it in the accenting of his name. In this particular case, there are accents in his name. So we see it. And now to exemplify the French accent of the title character, Carmen, I have a clip of Roberto Alagna and Elina Garancha in the last scene of the opera. I've chosen this excerpt because both Garancha and Alagna are experienced in French. And of course, Alagna's French is really exemplary as he was raised in France. opera, Werther by Jules Massenet, is usually often mispronounced because the French and English pronunciation rules are so very different. Werther is basically a story by the poet Goethe, and Jules Massenet took it over and composed an opera in French, 
but the inclination of the English speaker is to look at it and say, Werther. It's not Werther, it's Werther, appreciating the French and German pronunciation. And Jules Massenet is interesting. Jules is again that you can find it by that funny sort of a donkey bridge, U. The E is dropped, so it looks like DZ, U with an umlaut, L. Jules and Massenet drops the silence between Mass and Ne. It looks like Mass and Ne, but in fact it is Mass, no E in the middle, Ne. And the T is then also dropped. These are French rules that make sense, the French understand them, and the rest of the world is confused. That is typical of French, and the reason I say that generally one does not write as one speaks. Now, the only name, really, that is new to us in the cast is the Charlotte, a very important female part, who is going to be sung by Veronica Simeoni. And then we move on to our last opera of today, Cyrano de Bergerac by Franco Alfano, an Italian composer, student of Puccini's, who finished his opera Turandot after Puccini's death. He's most well known for that, and this opera is interesting because it's in French, and of course Turandot is in Italian. Our Roxanne is an American singer, Patricia Rassette, and if she were in France, she would say Patrizia Rassette. The Rassette is pronounced the same way in French as it is in English because it happens to be a French name, though she is an American artist. So to bring our time together to a close, we are going to return to Roberto Alagna singing Don José's flower aria from Bizet's Carmen. This will give you an idea of what we have to look forward to when Alagna sings the title role of Cyrano de Bergerac at the Met as well as the sumptuous beauty of the French language. Oh, mm -hmm. 
Thank you so much for listening to episode 48 of the Metropolitan Opera Guild podcast. I hope you have enjoyed our tour through these beautiful languages. As we gear up for the opening of the Metropolitan Opera season and our events at the Metropolitan Opera Guild here at Lincoln Center, our podcast will be taking a break for a few weeks. We will return on September 21st, 2016 to launch our 2016-17 podcast season. I'm Naomi Baratera, your host, and thank you for listening.